All right, so we're going to read Mark 4, 21 through 25 again. <clears throat> he said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't put it on its stand. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear. He continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Do you get it? <laughs> Couple of prefatory comments. Financial Peace University is underway. We have a couple hundred people signed up and uh, certainly would love to have you join if you haven't signed up. Classes, uh, we had our orientation sessions during the last week uh, and during this week, today, and the classes that happened this week, the content uh, starts happening. And then uh, wanted to, you'll see more at the end, but if you'd like to join the She Seeks conference, I know we've sold as many tickets this year as we have this last year already. Um, actually, the video that you're gonna hear at the end of the service is way less than we've already sold. So uh, great, if women, it's just for women. So if you'd love to come, uh, we'd love to have you. Today is Confirmation Sunday. Some of you have come just for that. <clears throat> it's an exciting time in the life of the church when we get to confirm our class. Let me tell you a little bit about what these eight students have been through and what they've enjoyed and what they've been energized with this year. We start, so just so you know, this isn't like a, oh, we do a couple weeks of confirmation. They started a year ago, Labor Day. They went to class every Sunday morning from Labor Day through Memorial Day, took a few weeks off in the summer, had to work at summer games and Bible school and stuff like that, and then came back, and this is their fourth week back this since school started. Also, and they were led, by the way, and this is where you're going to cheer, magnificently by uh, Jacob and Sarah Stand Up and by Aaron and Jennifer. If you would give them a hand. They're our great teachers this year. Because... <clears throat> You know, if you're a leading youth, sometimes you don't want to come either. Um, but, but they met with them every Sunday morning. And then we asked each of the students to do some service hours plus some other volunteerism in the church. And you've seen them volunteering in, in offering and other things. Along with that, during the program portion of confirmation, they got to meet with me on a specific Wednesday night and do a number of field trips. Then... Um, these students and, and leaders have come to this moment. Now, let me tell you about the potential because that's what I care about. We say in our confirmation program that this is a moment, this is a time, this learning experience is the opportunity for students, uh, usually 13, 14, 15, 
to take the opportunity to become a Christian on purpose. That's what these five and these three have been about this year. Now, in a few moments, they're going to kneel down here. Along with their parents and their teachers, I'm going to lay my hands on them. And I'm going to say these words, their full name, the Holy Spirit work through you, that being born of the water and the Spirit, you may always remain a faithful disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand what it means in the church when the righteous, when those who beloved their family lay hands on and invoke the Holy Spirit? What we're asking right here, even though some of them might not be ready for it, we're asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon these students. We're saying that you can be born of water, which Jesus says, and to be fully born, you need to be born of the Spirit. And that is our intent. That is the potential of what can happen today. If nothing else, it is the potential for that to happen sometime later in their life. But do not miss this opportunity because you have a promise to make if you're not one of the eighth graders. You have the promise to pray sternly, even though it might be a moment or two after 11.15 and your North American hunger pains begin. But you have the, 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 the responsibility to make a promise to be guides and mentors through the lives of these eight and to come alongside their parents in teaching them the structure and what it means to be a Christian in the world today. So that's where we're going to go, you eight, and be careful because I'm going to walk with you. But let's start because... I, I teach 7th and 8th graders all the time, so you have to do something to, to kind of get our interest. Let's start with a pop quiz. Gentlemen, if you'd put that slide up there. Now, there's going to be four things, four pairs of things up here. One is not like the others. I'm going to ask you to answer out loud later in the service, but here's how I'm pairing these things together. You have the sun and the moon. You have Dairy Queen and a child licking an ice cream cone. You have an engagement ring and a marriage. You have a light switch off and a light switch that is about to be put on. You got to memorize? Now think for a moment, and you guys, Ty, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you for sure. Hayden, I'm talking to you. You decide which one of those, don't answer me yet, but I want you to decide which one of those is not like the other. Now let's put a pin in that because I'm fixing to preach the gospel. I ask you to pray with me. I'm going to preach. Uh, God, we thank you for all that you give us even to this day. We thank you for these eight students that you know by name, and so do we. But you knew them, Lord, before they were formed in their mother's womb. And as they were gestating, Lord, you decided and discerned a purpose for their life. And even, Lord, ahead of that, you even knew this moment would come. You knew, Lord, there would be some pastor and a group of people gathering around them to teach them and to guide them, to shepherd them, just as there have been around us. And so we ask, Lord, your Holy Spirit, come upon us, that you show to them what you've shown to us, that you are the light in every darkness in our life, that you are the light that illumines our whole lives, and you chase away those things that draw us away from you. Your light is undefeated against darkness. Let us preach with clarity, Lord. Let the message be received in advance of all that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Here's what we're talking about today. For your confirmation... Right, Luke? This is what we're talking about in your confirmation. Jesus reveals the character of God, light for humanity's darkness. This is the character of God, to put light in the darkness of humanity. People need light. We all need light. I'm not just talking about how photosynthesis works and how we're less depressed if we have enough daylight in our homes. 
but people need light. Jesus said in the scripture that, that both Mario and, and, and Kelsey read here in this service, then Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp and then put a basket over it or stick it under a bed? And he answers himself, of course not. He, he's incredulous. Do you hide the truth? Of course not. Do you hide the light? No, of course not. Why turn it on if you're going to stick a bucket over it all the time, right? Why? Why would you do that? Character, the character of light is to light. That's what it does. You see, this light, judging that, you know, Sylvania or whoever made this light bulb doesn't let it burn out right now. This light was built to light. That is its character, its only purpose. The only thing this thing is supposed to do is light. So all it knows how to do is light. And it shows that light to anybody that wants. And, and you'll see how much light that, play, that thing actually gives to this, this place if you stay right with me, Nate. We're going to show you that in a moment. Through Jesus, true knowledge of who God is is made known. Who God is is shown to us in Jesus Christ. And what Jesus shows us and tells us is that God is the light for our darkness, is the light for our darkness. He's not among the lights for our darkness. He is the singular, one and only light for our darkness. Darkness, you see, is that which is anything that's anti-God. Anything that's anti-God is darkness. Anything that pushes against God in our lives. For instance, the wicked, anti-God, they bring darkness. Judgment, us judging other people, people judging others around us. That's anti-God. That's darkness. Death. That's darkness. But darkness is not equal to light, ever. Darkness has never been able to put light out. Light is undefeated against darkness. Look how Jesus is explained in the Gospel of John in the very first few verses. In him was life, and that life was the light to all mankind. I would, you cannot edit the Bible. However, I think in our current usage of that term, we would say that Christ is the light to all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone, everyone, no exceptions, was coming into the world, which is why Jesus says, anyone who has ears should listen and understand. Listen and understand what? Hear and understand what? Through Jesus Christ, you see the character of God. Are, are, are you getting my theme here, Ryan? Through Jesus Christ, you see the character of God. God's character is, is light in the darkness of the world. God rules over the darkness. Let me just ask you a quiz, a quiz question. You can say it out loud. You can answer if you want to, Sophie, or others. Who made the darkness? Right. Somebody over here answered it. God. Was that you, Sophie? Did you get it right? I knew you would. God makes the darkness. God rules over everything he makes. There is no thing made that he did not make. So God is the ruler over the darkness as well as the light. You remember the first page? Let there be light. And he separated the light from the darkness. You remember that one? It's, it's right in the beginning. You can look at it. It's under your pews or on your phones. 
And darkness then provides a contrast for God's character, for who God is. And darkness provides a backdrop for our call, and we all are called. When it says, hear and understand, it is talking about our call in life. Now, the emphasis on this passage is on the hearer's responsibility. This is not just a, a bunch of words Jesus is throwing into the ether sphere. There is responsibility here for those of us that hear it. Mark 4, it says, take care what you hear. Take care what you hear. And in John 12, he goes on saying, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me shall stay in the darkness. So belief, belief brings light. So balance of my minutes before we go to the confirmation service goes like this. Our first responsibility is to understand God's character revealed in Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying, Reagan. Our second responsibility is to understand what we understand of God's characters revealed in Jesus Christ. Molly knows what I'm talking about. The hearer of the gospel has the responsibility first to understand God's character revealed in Jesus Christ. So let's review our pop quiz. Which pair is different? Which pair do you see is different? Sun and the moon, Dairy Queen, the ice cream, engagement ring, marriage, off switch, getting turned on. Which one's different? Which one doesn't fit those pairs? You can say it out loud. Were you going to say it, Weldon? Which one? The sun and the moon. Bang! This year's confirmation student hit it. Why? We'll get right to it. Because uh, we'll, we'll come back, but the sun and the moon are different than the rest of it. I'm going to come back and explain the rest, but, but just focus on that moon off to the right. Was that too obvious when I had that up there? See, the moon reflects light. It is not light. It can do nothing about the light that comes to it. It glows because something hits it. It does nothing to create light. It doesn't generate light. And as a matter of fact, you've heard the expression dark side of the moon, right? Because our astronauts that have spun around the back side of it says it is dark, really dark, super dark, like in a cave, dark. You can't see anything back there. But in our night, it seems so bright. If you were out on Friday night, and I was, I, I could literally read on my deck because the full moon of the Iowa fall was so bright. But it generates no light. And it's thousands and thousands of miles away. And just like the sun of the, the, the light of the sun is for the moon to shine, understand this very simple point, you eighth graders that the light of Christ is for us. It's not made by us, but it's for us. And therefore, we have to shine. We have to understand that the character of God is revealed through Jesus Christ to shine on us. And that leads us to the second responsibility. The hearer of the gospel, and that's us, is to apply what we understand of God's character as revealed in Jesus Christ. So look at this. Take care of what you hear is what Jesus says means shed light. If light's coming on you, shed light. This light here is shedding light to, to, to this whole building, actually, but to this area right on. We have more powerful lights uh, pushing on it, but still, that light is very bright. Uh, we, when we hear what Christ means and, and who Christ is, 
we have the responsibility to shed light on everyone around us. Our responsibility, listen to this, eighth graders and adults sitting behind them, being glad I didn't call in your names like I've called theirs. Listen to this. Our responsibility is to make God known. Are you doing that? Will you do that? Our responsibility is to make God known in the places we are. Our responsibility is to reflect light, to reflect the light of God on others. God's revealed His light to us, and it hits us, and we should shine bright as the day and reflect. Now, I want to go back to those three sets of pictures that don't match, that don't. Look at these three things. Now, let me tell you the difference between this and the sun and the moon. The sun shines, the moon can do nothing about it. These are all pictures of possibilities. You're driving down the street, you see the Dairy Queen, right? If you want an ice cream cone, you have to do something about it, don't you? Same with true with the engagement ring. When you buy an engagement ring, eventually, you know, somebody's going to kneel down and say, will you? Yeah. But there's a possibility there that requires a response. There's an action that must be taken. And the same is true if it's dark in here or dark in your room and you want it light, you can't just say, light up room. Some of you can... But you have to do something. It's a possibility. You, you have to, to there, there is a cause and effect. There's an application that has to happen, and the application is your choice. Because you can drive by Dairy Queen, you cannot purchase and bestow an engagement ring on someone, and you can leave the lights off and live in the darkness all of your life. But these opportunities make application a choice. Now, the challenge for the Christian, so hear me, you guys, that are in middle school and beyond. People are dying in the darkness. See, I believe this because I'm in the world every day. I, I believe that people are dying in the darkness because darkness impairs vision. Darkness impairs our thinking. Darkness impairs our morality. When we're living in the darkness, when we're kind of out there groping around life like blind men, we are dark and our, and our thinking, our thinking, our vision, our morality gets impaired. When your vision is impaired, it's hard to think past what you see. Some of you are old enough in here to remember and, and how our fears multiply in the dark. So if I go, it's really dark, and we say lions and tigers. Because we can't see what we fear out there. It's just dark, so we just assume in the dark. You know what you assume in the darkness? The worst. You rarely walk out into a really dark room and you say, I bet someone's in here with a birthday cake for me. <laughs> right? You're afraid because your, 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 your vision is, is impaired, so your fears multiply. And, and when, when your vision is impaired and you're estranged from someone and, and you can't see how they're working and you can't feel correctly what's going on, that estrangement seems unres unresolvable. We can't put things back together. And if you don't have any money, you know, if you're, if you're in poverty, and you don't have any vision of where help might come, it's just absolutely your poverty magnifies. And I, I'll tell you this because I know it to be true. If you're grieving 
and you don't have a light to look at, the darkness closes in you, and it doesn't feel like that grieving can ever be lessened. It cannot. But we know that it can be. When your thinking's impaired by darkness, a person's pool of resources contracts. It, 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 it pulls in. Loneliness grows. When you, when you feel like you can't see and you, you, you don't, you're just groping like a, a blind person, you get lonely. And if you're already lonely, it gets worse. I, how many times have I had members of even this church come up to me and say, Pastor Mike, everywhere I go, it seems like Everybody has people. They're sitting at the restaurant with people. Out here, they're talking with people. They're driving in cars with people. I don't have any people. I'm all alone in this world. Loneliness expands when we can't see outside the darkness. It, it handcuffs our, our connections to others. And I'll tell you what else contract, con contracts when you're in the darkness. If you have, and some of us in here have this, if you have a tinge of what I'm going to call depression or low feelings, and you're groping around in the darkness, that depression has home field advantage in your soul. If you're not seeing the light of Christ, it has home field advantage because this is what I know, even from listening to not just astronauts, dark is really dark. And if your spirit is dark and you don't have any light breathing into your life, it gets really, really dark. You know, the Christian community, particularly those of us that are pastors, are kind of reeling this week. There was a pastor in California named Jared Wilson. Some of you maybe saw a little bit about his story. But he's at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You might know the name Greg Laurie. That's his senior pastor. But Jared spent his life, his whole ministry, helping people with depression, helping people with suicidal thoughts, wrote a book about it blogged about it. And the reason he could do it so well is because he had that. And, and he talked all the time. He says, even sometimes, those of us that are looking at the light of Christ, if we take our eyes off it for a moment, darkness overcomes. Now, sadly, Jared took his own life this week after teaching about raising out of depression and suicide. So, so understand that dark is really dark. And if you let it, if you pull the shade over it, even for a moment, it can catch you from behind. Because when you're feeling depressed and you don't have a good way to see or you don't find a light in your darkness, dark is really dark and it's really present. When your thinking is impaired, not only, not only do those things happen, but when your thinking is impaired, morality becomes very subjective. I don't know if you guys know what that means. So I'm going to tell you. See, when, you're, when your thinking becomes dark, you decide that you can do what you want. Whatever makes you happy is the right thing to do. That, that subjective morality, that means picking whatever you want to do, this is what it does, guys. It leads to the slow death of your soul. I know this to be true. I've seen it happen more than one time. When you do what you do just to make you specifically happy, then other people become tools of your pleasure. They're no longer people of infinite value of worth. They're not at worth at least as much as you. They're things to be used. They're things to be consumed. And this is not good. 
This leads to what in the scriptures call sin. And sin is that which festers in the darkness of narcissism, of, of just caring about yourself and no one else. And that narcissism, which is a big word I know for eighth graders, but you guys are all pretty smart. It means you're self-absorbed and thinking only about yourself. When, when you get into the darkness like that, it becomes the Lord of your life. And your soul will die. Unless the light of Christ is shed upon you. So, Pastor Mike, you know, he's just been throwing softballs so far. Let's get hard about this. Are you shedding the light of Christ anywhere on anyone? Well, are you shedding the light of Christ on anywhere, on anyone? I'm here to tell you that that's one of our main responsibilities because once the light has been shown on you, you are to shine it on others. We are to shed light. Let me give you a few little tips. First, if you want to shed light on someone, first thing you need to do is evaluate the light you have. Evaluate the life that God has shown on you. Evaluate what is burning inside you and choose to share it. Just like, just like a person has to choose to ask another to come together with them in marriage, you see the ring of Christ that is the light on, uh, of Him on your, on your uh, spirit and choose to share it with others. The moon does not pick to be illuminated. Neither did we as human beings. Understand that. We didn't pick to be illuminated. God picked us to shed His light on. This was his choice. He knew that with all this human freedom, there was going to be darkness in the world. So before your birth, through the death and life of Jesus Christ, he shone light on you on each one of your very souls. And the difference is between us and the moon is we get to choose whether to shine or not. It comes on us. It's, it's cast upon us by the Lord himself. But we get to choose whether we're going to reflect this light to anyone ever and of course, the Lord tells us we should. What, what light is shining on you from Christ? And why and what are you going to do about it? Why did Jesus pick you? Who does he want you to go to? Do you plan to choose to do anything at all? Guys, I, I'm appealing to you. This isn't just camp. This is like what Jesus calls us to do. So second, I really encourage you guys to do what I call elevate. Elevate the room. That means... You know, when you're in a room and you're a Christian, make everything in that room better. Make everybody feel better. Let me, let me give you a quick smile. Check, check this out. All right, watch this, Reagan. Everybody else, I'm asking Reagan, but you guys do it too. Okay, I'm going to show you, really simplistic. Everybody, eyes up. Wake up that guy. Where's Gerber? He's awake. All right, good. All right. He sits over there by himself so nobody can sleep by him. All right, just kidding, just kidding. He knows that. I like picking on him. All right, right here, eyes on me. I want to show you how to make everybody feel better in the room you're at. You, you watch me? Eyes on me? Watch. <laughs> it works every time. You go through Menards, and you're just walking down the aisle, you go, no, no, don't be creepy like I just was, but, you know, <laughs> just smile. You'd be surprised at what people say. They're like, oh, man, I can smile too. What's up with that? You know, you, you want to elevate the room, I tell you a little story. I'm, I'm in my, my favorite hair cutter place the other day, and this guy comes in, and I, you know, I don't have the wisdom to check in online, so I'm sitting in the waiting room, which I love not at all. 
I'm sitting in the waiting room, you know, you're all in chairs too small for you, and this guy walks in, and he's what, what youth today would call some random guy. Nobody's random in God's eyes, but I didn't know him, so that makes you random, I guess. He walks in, and I'm telling you what, he elevated all the cost cutters. He's like, hey, how's it going? You know, smiling, happy, like, you know, he's in, gets in, get his haircut, and I didn't check in, so I had to sit all the way, you know, through his haircut and a bunch of other haircuts. But when this guy left, he, you know, she sweeps it up, and then she pulls me back to the chair, and he says, she said, I, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm a Christian too, but, you know, it was very evident this guy was a Christian. He's bringing everybody's day better, and she, she comes back. She says, Pastor Mike, when that guy comes in, he makes everybody's day better. And I'm like, <laughs> but then she said, just like you do. Oh, you know what I'm saying, Luke. But that's what we're supposed to do, to elevate the room. We, we get to choose whether we're going to elevate the attitude of a room or not. You know, so often we walk in the room and, how you doing? Oh, I'm so tired. Well, go to bed. You know, you know, all those kind of things. It's like, we have an opportunity. I'm only going to be with people for a few minutes. I'd, I'd choose to make, you know, I'm going to go to glory here in a little while. I, I'm really choosing, and I hope you guys will choose the same thing, is make people's lives better for just having known you and, and being with you. Choose to elevate the room you're in, no matter what it is, whether it's a school room, whether it's your workplace. What do you have to lose? You don't have much to lose, but you have a lot to gain, and you can do witness to Jesus Christ just by being happy and nice and loving. Third, Plead with the Lord for an opportunity to share what God has done for you. Really close to home. So often, you know, we talk over and over and over about testimonies and about hearing testimonies. Listen, do not make that hard. A witness is someone that simply tells what has happened. That's a testimony. So if you tell what has happened in your life, that is your testimony. If you're the person that says, you know, I'm 70 years old. I've been going to church because my parents carried me into church. And the next time, you know, the last time I'm going to church, I'm going to get carried out. You know what that means, right? But I've gone to church my whole life because Jesus Christ has been made known to me in Sunday school at my kitchen table and all the way through my life. That's my testimony. And my life is a witness to that. Some of you will have said, you know, I really, you know, had a hard time with substance or whatnot like that. And I got transformed in the middle of my life. And I'm so grateful for God and, 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 and changing my life and all that. And some of you can say, you know what? There we were as a church going along. And I was, you know, holding all my money to myself, holding all my energy to myself. And something happened in worship or, or Simon sang a song or Kelsey prayed a prayer, or Vicky did something, or even Pastor Mike might have said something. The Holy Spirit worked through me, and I'm, I unleashed the, the, the chains on my, on my wallet. I unleashed the chains that were on my time and my talent. That's your testimony. Don't make it hard. And people love to hear that. But I want to tell you this, because I know it to be true. Most of the Methodists I know have spent most of their life avoiding sharing what God has done for them. Most of us, because we're the Methodists, have spent a lot of our lives avoiding witnessing to what God has done for us. Now, you don't have to stand up here because the reality is I actually get to witness less. I teach. The reality is less people are motivated by the pulpit than they are by hearing and seeing your real testimony. Now, they'll come here to fortify that. They'll come into church. A few people come in really seeking, you know, to come and meet God. But usually they meet God through the people they know. 
Usually they meet God by someone in their life shining light of Christ, shedding the life of Christ into their lives. That is generally what changes life. You can ask these guys in the front. You can ask every high school kid we have in 412. You can ask yourself what really changed your life. Some preacher whose name you can't remember or someone whose name will never leave your heart. For me, that's who it is. So I admonish you to plead with God. Plead with God for the moment or the moments or the circumstances, the opportunity for you to shed life through the testimony of your life to a life that you know and love. It might change their everything. It might not just change a little bit about them. It might, it might change everything. Everybody I know that's gotten dry has had the help of others. Everyone I know that's come to Christ has had the help of others alongside the Holy Spirit. So plead for the moment and be different. Be different. Jesus' light is different from every other light in the world. The illuminated need to be different. We need to illuminate. We cannot benefit the kingdom or the world in which we live if our values are the same or other people in the world. One of the most disappointing things in North American Christianity is, and I read studies, I can read, even though I went you know, to Iowa Wesleyan and all that kind of stuff, I have good reading skills, and I have found over the last 20 years when you read surveys of people about morality and the way they make their decisions, there is no real discernible, actually 1%, no discernible difference between those who claim to be Christian in the way they act and live and give between those who are not Christian. This should not be so. There should be a strong, identifiable, discernible difference between those who claim Christ as their Lord and Savior and those who do not, because we have a light that burns in us that is different than the world. Therefore, our morality should be higher. Therefore, our values should be higher. Therefore, our pursuit should be not after the things of this world, but after the kingdom. Do you feel me? So we have a task to do. The believer is to shine in the middle of today's darkness. Our light is to help unbelievers and those who are emerging in belief see who they truly are. To see maybe that because of the way we're living, as we live in accordance with Christ and we, we align our lives with him exactly, that we allow others to see the need they have, not saying, hey, we're going to bang over your head what you're doing wrong, but allow them, by good examples that are Christians, by, by us being different, that they can see maybe there's a higher way to live. And maybe living in this light of Christ is actually the best path to go down. And last. Kick the bucket. Don't keep the bucket. Don't keep the bucket that you can put over your life. Kick it away. If you've truly been led by Jesus Christ, what would you ever want to cover it up for? When my life was transformed by Jesus Christ, I never wanted anything to come over it. No, I'm a sinner like you, and clouds are always forming out there. But get the bucket far away from you. Don't be tempted to put it back on. All right, guys. I'm going to tell you two things. And then something really cool is going to happen. Here is my warning. Here's my warning. Because I've loved you guys for a long time. Some of you I've baptized when you were children. So which means I've carried you in my arms. Some of you I've watched grow and transform amazingly under these strong leaders and the leaders in your homes. This is my admonition. You are 13 or 14 years old. Please, for the love of God, 
Do not come back here when you're 30 years old with the same faith you have today. Faith cannot be the same when you are 30 as it is when you're 13. This is really, really important. Your faith doesn't stop when you kneel down on this, on this uh, altar up here. It transitions. You go from being little kid faith to adult faith. So do not, do not be the same. Don't let any buckets of timidity, don't, don't let any buckets be placed on your faith because the light of Christ has been imparted to you by your very birth. The light of Christ has been imparted to you by the Holy Spirit and all of you all that are listening behind them. This is not, this is not something we can do. Put a bucket over our faith. This is not about timidity. The purpose of being a Christian is to claim it and live it and shed light on others. The confirmation class of 2019 and all y'all that are behind him need to kick the bucket for Jesus Christ's sake and shed the light of Christ on others. Can I get an amen? amen? Let's pray. God, let us kick the bucket. Not the light, the bucket of our living, but the bucket that shades the lamp that is part of our lives. Lord, so often you brighten us, and we try to take the light away. Let that not be us. God, you have taught us who Jesus is. You've shown us that he is the light of the world, and, and as that light shines on us, let us shine it out in the world. It's our responsibility, Lord. So as we come together to, to grow these up, these eight confirmands, we ask, Lord, that your light might always shine on them and that they might always have the confidence, the assurance to evaluate why you are shining on them and to go and take the possibility you give them to shine that light in the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.